Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity. I'm Ellie Stuhler. Over the next few episodes leading up to the London Design Festival in September, we'll be focusing on the goings-on of London's industrial and furniture design community. Joining us in conversation today from the pod at White City Place, Clara Gajaro westaway and Dr. Nick Rhodes. Clara is one half of the duo that founded Special Projects Design Studio. She's a creative director and industrial designer. Her partner is an experienced designer and, notably, a magician, part of the elite Magic Circle Society. Special Projects' mission is to enhance empathy and well-being in design, all with an underlying sense of delight, with work that ranges from a heart monitor for cardio to a future-proof digital interface for the BBC. Nick is the principal clinical psychologist for the Central and Northwest NHS Foundation Trust. In 1998, he founded the Nightingale Project, a charity whose mission is to brighten up spaces used for mental health services through art and music. The project recently commissioned graphic artist Camille Walala to paint a vibrant mural inside part of the Park Royal Hospital in London. On the agenda, how we've allowed some design to be so depressing, what it means to humanize it, and how special projects stopped an epidemic of broken noses at one sixth form playground. The Nightingale Project is a charity that I started in 1998 to brighten up hospitals, NHS sites, on the basis that hospitals can be quite depressing. And I'm a psychologist. I work with very depressed people. And I think it makes no sense to try to help very depressed people in very depressing buildings. <laughs> I think you're working against the, the whole point of the therapy if you provide a context that's that's in itself depressing. Um, this strikes me as blindingly obvious, and it doesn't seem to be that obvious to other people working in the NHS. However, <laughs> my my charity project is to to work against that, to try to establish more welcoming, more friendly, more colourful brighter, more uplifting buildings. So we've worked inside, uh, particularly in psychiatric hospitals, inside the wards, in reception areas, in corridors, in waiting areas, and so forth. So an example would be our recent project with Camille Walala, whose work I just came across by accident. And this is how we often work. We come across the work of a designer or artist just by happening upon it, and and we came across her splice building in uh, East London, and loved it, and immediately thought this could be a, a possible uh, an artist that we could work with. So we were sort of looking out for a place to apply that thought, and the the place where we worked with her is at Park Royal Centre for Mental Health in uh, Harleston. The mental health unit there is a big and busy mental health unit. Uh, but it's always been a rather dreary place to walk into. It's always been a dull building, not very well-designed building. So we thought we would attack it, as it were, with some colour and uh, and positivity. Camille, fortunately, has said that the uglier the building, the more excited she gets about working on it. So when we took her there, she was not put off, but thrilled. So we let her loose on the, on the reception area, and she designed a wonderful bold, abstract, uh, colourful mural to wrap around the entire reception area. The result is beautiful, and as we were there painting, um, 
well, Camille was painting, I was largely watching, um, the, the coming and goings of all the patients and staff in the building were wonderful to observe. They came in and they said, this is so uplifting. This really puts a smile on their face. And you could watch as the smile spread across their faces as they walked in. So what we've done, in a sense, is like, that's typical of what we try to achieve, a humanising of a hospital space, a hospital space that might be off-putting and rather heavy on the spirits, as it were, but now hopefully injects a bit of life and encourages a, a sense of uplift as people arrive. It sounds like very, very interesting and very similar or it has connection with some of the work we've been doing at Special Projects. We design and we actually invent new products for a variety of industries, but we have quite a big experience in consumer medical uh, products. So over the past years, we have uh, reinvented a blood pressure monitor, an ECG uh, monitor, a bathroom scale. Uh, we've done some work on chronic skin conditions as well and the packaging of, of medicines. It's very interesting what you were talking about because not very often medical uh, startups or medical uh, corporation ask designer to tackle not only the ergonomics issues uh, but also the emotional issues and I see that becoming more and more important like people finally realize that having you know an effective medicine is not enough ideally you have an effective medicine presented in a way that also makes the patient feel better emotionally not only physically for example the the blood pressure monitor we've de- invented that and designed that for a startup called cardio actually now they're a large company they, when when we started working with them there were three people I don't know, I think maybe now they're about 150, they sell in 48 countries, so the products were very successful. And the first product we invented for them was this blood pressure monitor. The blood pressure monitor, you know, usually is designed to sit a bit on a hospital table. It's very big, it's clunky, it has a tube that goes to the, the cuff. And we, we really, uh, we talked to the users and uh, the people that have high blood pressure and we realized that they were meant to measure the blood pressure twice a day and alert the doctor if something was looking odd or strange. And then, you know, by involving the end user in the process, that is something we do all the time, we realized that none of the patient was actually doing that. They were all uh, measuring the blood pressure maybe once a day in the morning, but then they wouldn't go back home to measure the blood pressure and they wouldn't bring the blood pressure monitor in their bag with them at work because it was very, you know, stigmatizing. So we thought we had to design a very portable and very discreet blood pressure monitor. So we, we compacted it and we made it as small as possible. It looks almost like a double iPhone or, you know, a sunglasses case. So when you see it in, some, in, in people's bag, it doesn't look at all out of place. It really fits into their objects ecosystem. And then is, you know, there are some, some very nice little things. When you unroll uh, the cuff that is rolled around it, it automatically turns on. So you don't have, you don't make any mistakes, like you maybe don't turn it on or it automatically turns on. And then one thing that we found out is that people were getting very stressed when seeing the numbers going up on the screen of the blood pressure monitor. So in our uh, case, the blood pressure monitor is connected with the phone. So you press start on the phone, on your smartphone. And instead of seeing the numbers going up, the smartphone shows you relaxing pictures. So you're like, 
you know, again, uh, we looked at the emotional side of things. Can you just relax even more when you are <laughs> while you're measuring your blood pressure? Then, of course, you have all your data on the phone and you can share them with your doctor if it's needed. So, yes, even, you know, small changes like the design appearance of the object or the behavior of the product itself can have a massive impact on the emotions uh, of, the, of the end user. This strikes me as important, not just in terms of making it pleasanter to use, but making it a more accurate reading. We used to talk about the white coat effect, which was that when you go to the doctor to get your blood pressure measured, that the experience was a little stressful and your blood pressure might then be read as falsely high because of the stressful experience raising your blood pressure in the moment of having, you know, of sitting with the doctor in a slightly emotionally stressful moment. So you get a false reading. Your design seems to me to be sort of nicer to use, but also that the point being that the, the nicer experience links with a more accurate yes. output. And that's exactly, and that was the goal. And I think um, for us, um, to do meaningful innovation, we always strive to find that balance of uh, a product or a service that works better than the previous service, both on the functional level and on the emotional level. So hopefully by you know, using relaxing images, you don't get the white coat uh, syndrome. And by having a product that looks better, you also carry it around with you and you measure your blood pressure twice a day as you're <laughs> meant to do. Mm. Um, so it really fits into your, your life. There is in one sense, I think, an overlap with what we're doing in the Nightingale project because it seems to me that all medical interventions, uh, all clinical interventions, rely on some element of emotional engagement that when you're sort of prescribing a tablet that I don't do as a psychologist, but my, my medical colleagues are prescribing pills all the time, but the important thing is that the person has to engage sufficiently with the doctor to understand why uh, he or she is being asked to take that tablet. And they may, they, they often don't. And then you get a whole a failure of uh, prescription because the people sort of don't take it, even though they've been given it. But also you get, a, uh, we, call, we talk a lot about the placebo effect, that if there's something that's perceived as beneficial about the tablet, then you will get a sort of a more positive response than otherwise. So in the Nightingale Project, what we're trying to do in a sense is make the experience of coming into hospital more pleasant, like your, it's much more pleasant to use your blood pressure monitor than a traditional one. Um, if you make the experience of walking into the hospital more bearable, then you're engaging more positively, more constructively from the word go with your patient. We had a good example of a young woman who'd been referred to see a psychiatrist by her GP, had never had any mental health problems in her life, but had had a really stressful year with some difficult life events and had ended up in a, in a quite troubled sort of state of mind. And her GP had said, go and see a psychiatrist for some further advice. And as she walked down to the mental health unit, she was thinking, I don't want to be here. I don't identify with this. I'm not a, a mental health patient. And she was feeling afraid and rather reluctant to go in. And as she came in, she entered into, we, at that time, we had a, a very bright, colourful exhibition by an artist called Johnny Hanna. Um, his work is very bold and graphic and very lively. And her response as she walked in, she said to herself, 
wow, this is a cool place. And I thought that was very telling because she had been thinking, you know, as outside the building a moment before, she was feeling fearful and uh, reluctant to walk in. And then the moment she was in, she felt welcomed in and felt it was a cool place. It was fine. I imagine her blood pressure dropped (laughs) (laughs) instantly. So this this is important because then that enables her to enter into a more open dialogue with a psychiatrist when the when the appointment begins it, it it's not merely superficial decorative uh, gestures it is about trying to engage with the patient to welcome them in to and to reduce that sense because that sense that she was feeling of reluctance to walk into the building is quite common i suspect that for people engaging with psychiatry for the first time there is still a stigma there is still a a fear of what that means you know people still have questions running through their mind does this mean i'm going mad for example what's you know what have i become you know they they feel stigmatized by it and i've i've talked to patients who sort of walk up and down outside the mental health unit checking that there's nobody that they know in the street before they take the plunge and walk through the door because they don't want to be seen as a mental health patient. The importance of then making it feel like a cool place is sort of, to use that phrase, is quite high because you then sort of reduce that stigma, you reduce that sense of a barrier. I've always felt there's a kind of invisible barrier, you know, the sort of... uh, the unwell, depressed, dysfunctional world in here of mental health and the sort of normal, sane, functioning yeah. world out there and people don't want to cross the cross the barrier. Hmm. Um, but I, so the Nightingale Project in that sense is about taking down walls, you know, breaking down walls, you know, making it more a permeable sort of barrier that, you know, that this place is bright and welcoming and fresh and optimistic and it's not not what you fear it's going to be. You're listening to Thought Starters with Clara Gottero-Westerway of Special Projects and Dr. Nick Rhodes, clinical psychologist and founder of the Nightingale Project. We've designed a playground where there was lots of violence. There was one broken nose per month on average in fights in that playground. So we created using box culvert that are, you know, prefabricated concrete boxes. We created uh, benches and, and little areas for different groups to hang around because from we, we've done some observation and we found that fights were happening when different groups would meet each other and then they would have to fight so we just created different areas so different group could stay in different areas and there has been no broken nose since and this is about i think about 10 years ago now so it's been uh, the interior design or the layout of a space is so important on the psychology the behavior of people so it's it's quite impressive sometimes that it's not more used uh, more understood People see interior design or design in general as a very stylistic and frivolous add-on when actually it's like it can really solve problems, it can change behaviours, it can make people feel happier, better, uh, more confident, more interested. I think that's really important because I think amongst my colleagues in the NHS there would be a lot of people who would shrug and say, but we're not designers, we're not here to to make a sort of artistic environment. It's not what people come here for treatment. It's not about art and design. 
But I think they are intimately connected, as you've just demonstrated with that example. And I think we could do so much more with, you know, in hospital design, schools and hospitals. I'm interested in what you say about schools because they're also an example of sort of public sector lack of imagination very often in this country mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that uh, people who are sort of building a school or a hospital or a prison, for example, are thinking that they need to be functional and practical. And often they're thinking we need to do it quite cheaply because it's public sector and we, you know, and, and the mindset is not about design elements it's about trying to sort of create something that's within budget and sort of functional and practical and somehow in the mind of those uh, commissioners and those those uh, people developing a new clinic or school for example there's a there's a lack of design imagination it seems to me and I think we're missing a huge trick there I think we need to we need to sort of focus on things like lighting and colour schemes and furnishings and things certainly Mm -hmm. in psychiatric hospitals all of those things are done Mm -hmm. badly yes as a matter of course they're always always done badly and and also like I think what will really change the game is involving designers and, and design thinkers creative inventors at the beginning of the project of the process I think still now we are involved sometimes too late down the road particularly when we're talking about buildings in products we are usually involved at the beginning and this is when actually the real innovation real meaningful innovation can happen because you can really look at the whole at the goal of the the product or service and move the pieces of the puzzle in a way that everything fits better and you maybe achieve the same result with a lower cost or you actually achieve a better result with a lower cost in a shorter amount of time you know design is very strategic there is not um, particularly you know this all design thinking approach to a problem would enable people to tackle a project, whether he's building a new psychiatric hospital or designing a new blood pressure monitor, with a different mentality, like looking at the whole project mm. as as a whole. So it's very good and it's very, it's already good to involve designers uh, to, you know, to create a layer of good lighting, a good decoration for the space or good navigation of a space. But I think ideally, design will really make a difference when it's uh, there and is present at the beginning of the project. I agree. I think that I, in the work that I've done in hospital wards and so forth, it feels to me like sometimes it is too much of an afterthought and your impact is necessarily limited. For example, we've hung sequences of pictures around wards sometimes and then stood back and thought, they're not having the impact we want and that's because of the the lighting has been badly designed so you need to take one step back and sort of redesign the lighting yes not just to make the pictures look better when you hang the pictures but because the better lighting is going to create a better mood a more friendly more relaxed mood and i think your your example about one broken nose a month in a school becoming no broken noses for the next decade is a really important one because it, it has a direct implication for mental health wards where there are people who are regularly trying to harm themselves there are people who are getting into aggressive standoffs with members of staff because they're very stressed and they are they don't want to be there very often they've been brought in under a section of the mental health act so they didn't 
choose to be in hospital. They've, they've been required to be in hospital. So sometimes that's very, you know, well, inevitably that's a stressful situation mm-hmm. for people and the stress results in people getting into perhaps aggressive confrontations with other patients or staff. And this causes a lot of problems for us in running a ward. And we, we of course, the, the you know, NHS mental health professionals are endlessly concerned about trying to reduce the number of such incidents. You don't want somebody to uh, attempt to harm themselves seriously while in hospital, of course. But it seems to me that we should get on to this kind of design thinking much more. If you create nicer spaces for them to be that are better lit, for example, where the furniture is uh, is less institutional, more friendly, and other sort of more practical things where you make quite sure that logistics of being able to get a cup of tea or coffee when you want one or something are, are properly designed into the environment of the ward, and they not they aren't always. Mm-hmm. Then you uh, create a much lower incidence, probably of unwanted incidents. Yeah, and if you engage a designer or you apply design thinking process to the project, then you would listen to all the stakeholders, like in the doctors, the nurses, even the cleaners and the patients, and try to understand their the needs and aspiration of all those stakeholders, and then find a way for all these things to match. So the end users is you know, one of the most important stakeholders, but if the cleaners cannot clean well, then you know, the project is, is a fail. If you know, the doctors cannot have a room where they can perform, the, the visits in, in the right way, then again, we have, we have a problem. So it's very important to look at all the stakeholders, all their needs, but also all their aspirations. So, you know, what is the ideal situation? What is the, how can the space provide you with the ideal situation? So we often speak about why hospitals uh, or public spaces in general have not been designed with the, um, end user in mind for this long and I think what seems to be a possible explication is that efficiency and hospitals in particular are are geared to be very efficient machines that cure people in the fastest and, and most efficient way and I think they are doing lots of progress to do that better and better every year. What is not being considered as a parameter is the happiness or the emotional side of people. I think this is something that is a recent discussion. Even, you know, even in the in mass media, you start now hearing about mindfulness. Uh, it's been two or three years that people talk openly about mental health and even just this, you know, soft side of your of, of a person. So I think that now is becoming a parameter, but for so long it's not been a parameter. The emotional aspect of a project is just the only parameter that people have looked at is the functional or economical parameter of, of a project. Although we start off thinking that this type of thinking is going to cost money, I mean, people have said to me that, oh, well, hiring a better designer or a better architect will cost us more and we can't afford that in the National Health Service. Actually, the argument needs to be made that a better designed clinic or hospital is going to save money because people will recover more quickly and so they will need uh, less medication. They will occupy a bed for a shorter period of time, for example. If people on average, say, for example, were discharged from hospital a day earlier, the savings 
nationally would be phenomenal if you could make that happen. It, would, it would costs so much to keep someone in hospital that you really, economically, you, you would like that, that uh, result. So to design that ward with better views, but also better interior design features, colour, lighting, furnishings that help you feel that you're being supported, that you're, you're being given back a bit of hope, a bit of enthusiasm for life, a bit of enjoyment, that those are all elements that are crucially important economically and we need to make the case that that's not as you were saying earlier just an add-on oh well yes well while people are here we can sort of make it nice for them wouldn't that be nice it is actually about getting them better quicker and therefore making savings on all in all kinds of ways in the budgets i guess my my main experience is in the um, corporate and and startup area and i think definitely i see big corporations looking at how to differentiate their products based on a better user experience. And they see in startups these beautiful blooming of young startups that have at heart missions that will or projects that will enable patients um, to patients and users in general to have a better experience when you know ill or with a condition. So I think Definitely, the the future is uh, is bright. <laughs> we'll see more and more positive and, and meaningful innovations. I very much hope so. I think that the fact that I'm employed one day a week to do art projects and design projects in in hospitals is a a positive indication that people do value it. And certainly, the feedback from people using the services is always positive. They always like the fact that their hospital as you said when you know visiting the mm-hmm. Chelsea Westminster hospital they always like the fact that their hospital is has been improved that it feels nicer to walk into so i think slowly perhaps it is catching on i think that there are, it, it's catching on in perhaps perhaps catching on quicker in some areas than others but i hope that slowly we are getting to a point where people do realize that better architecture better design can really help us in our work it's not merely a a frivolous add-on to <laughs> to to throw in a bit of uh, a bit of colour or a bit of um, something to sort of prettify the buildings, but that it really is fundamental. That it really does make a, a difference. So I really hope the future is better. That was Clara Gajero Westaway of Special Projects and Dr. Nick Rhodes, clinical psychologist and founder of the Nightingale Project. This has been Thought Starters, recorded at the pod at White City Place. Thought Starters is a DNA Co. project for White City Place, produced by David Michon, recorded by George McDonough and Claire Urban, and edited by Claire Crofton.